This morning, uh, you heard me say that it is when our confirmands are professing their faith in Christ and they also are joining the church. Well, part of your relationship with them, because in United Methodism, we believe that it is a community. It's a journey together. Uh, You, through your tithes and your offerings that you put in the black boxes and back or giving online, you provide them with a Bible. That's one of the things that you give them earlier in the process of confirmation. And today, you all get a gift. And so I invite you now, confirmands, to reach underneath your seat And Leslie has placed the gift under there that you all receive. If you'll unwrap that and check out what you are receiving this morning, that will be great. Hold it up so your families can see. They all receive selfie sticks this morning. That is your tithe and offering dollars uh, being put to great use, actually. I do believe that uh, it will be money well spent because hopefully by the end of the message today, every time they look at their selfie stick, they are going to not only think about, hey, I really want a cool snapshot of myself, but they will think about their faith journey. You see, uh, this morning, they are doing something that I think is just the, the coolest thing ever. They're professing their faith in being a part of the movement of Christ. And we've done confirmation a little differently here at West this year. Uh, We do a lot of things differently here at West. However, you see, Christianity is a movement. It's a movement that was started by the followers of Jesus Christ after his time on earth teaching and preaching. And then after his death and resurrection, those who were closest to him, they continued that movement and it became known as Christianity. So they are joining the movement of Christianity. They're joining West United Methodist Church, but they also are professing their faith in the way of Christ. And we're going to look at what that means. And I hope that you will take away something from the message this morning as well. And uh, Leslie Wilson at our info station can tell you where to pick up your own handy dandy selfie stick at the end of the message. I believe Walgreens was a good opportunity provider for this, but if you are unaware of what this handy-dandy tool is, it is not a golf club, although you may could use it as that. What you do is you take your cell phone, and like you saw on the video a few minutes ago, you put the cell phone at the end of it, and then you take a snapshot. Now, you can get really fancy, and don't get your hopes up. I'm not sure this is Bluetooth enabled. I, I don't know. But uh, you can spend like 80 or $90 on a selfie stick. And you also can get some that are less expensive. Now, I imagine that the less expensive selfie sticks are the ones that uh, you probably may still be able to know that the person is indeed taking a selfie. The best selfies, those are personal snapshots that you take with your smartphone. Uh, The best selfies are the ones where you don't see your arm like right in front of you and you're acting all casual. And, you know, then everybody knows you are taking 
taking a picture of yourself. And so uh, I'm not a good selfie taker because I don't like what I look like in pictures anyway. So uh, the last thing that I need, and I have like T-Rex arms. I have the shortest arms in humanity. And so I can't get the thing far enough away from me so that you do not see the double chins and all the other things that I've got going on up here. So you see, this selfie stick is amazing because it is so long. If I have the arm extension and I do it just like this, I guarantee you that I could take a snapshot that I just look so casual. And you would just look at my picture and think, wow, she looks deep in thought, you know, and you'd be impressed and you'd tell people, that's my preacher. Uh, That's always sort of my hope that I've impressed you enough that you want, you know, impressed you, made enough of an impact on your life that you will tell others, hey, that's my pastor. So hopefully the message today, and I promise I will not bore you, I hope and put you to tears, it is to convey that. To be a part of the movement of Christ means that something has impressed you enough and made enough of an impression on you that you want to walk in the way of of Christ. And we believe that that boils down to one word, and it's love. Now, they, we have talked about all kinds of things throughout the year. We started with creation and what does the story of Adam and Eve mean, and, and we've spent a lot of time looking at just different concepts that are contained in Scripture. But the most important thing this morning that I want you to walk away with confirmands and all the people that are worshiping with us is that whatever selfie you take of yourself from this point on, it is enough. It's enough. You don't need to stretch your arms any further away. You don't need to measure up to the other people that are around you. Whatever snapshot that you take of yourself today and always, it is enough because you are enough. You are created in the beautiful and loving image of God. And it is awesome, the young people that you have grown into be. And so as you walk away today, I want you to know that regardless what life throws at you moving forward from this day, what you are professing today is that you know that you're created in the image of a loving God, that you know that you want to walk in that image, which leads to love, which leads to life. And that's the end. Now, I bet you wish that was the end, and I bet you wish that perhaps the message was over, but it's not. You pay me big bucks to do some biblical study. So I want to share with you a story from the Bible this morning. It is a little different. It's not a typical love passage or anything like that. It's actually from the book of 2 Samuel. Michael Brown is one of the most renowned pastors in our nation, currently a a modern-day theologian. And I heard him preach on this passage, and I was enthralled with it. Now, I have not plagiarized his sermon. I want you to know that. I'm not into plagiarism. But it gave me an idea. He did this whole message around you're not enough. And we are enough in the image of God. And he used this story. And so I want to share this story with you because it's about somebody that has shaped our faith, King David. And we know King David because he wrote the Psalms, all the Psalms that are contained in Scripture. He's one of the ones that said, my God, my God, how can you forsake me? And then comes back with one of the most famous passages of Scripture that 
all people seem to know the Lord is my shepherd. Even if they don't go to church, they've heard the whole Lord is the shepherd theme. That's David. Now, I want you to keep in mind, he's famous. He's really, really famous, and he really messed up. And so this morning, I want you to hear a passage about his mess-ups. And it has a point, because you see, if he had a selfie stick, this is probably not one of his stellar selfie stick times in his life and his ministry. It's 2 Samuel 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 12. Abner sent this message on his own behalf to David at Hebron. He was located at Hebron then. They were in the middle of a war, David and King Saul. Now, Abner sends this message to David. Who is in charge of this land? Make an agreement with me, and I will give you my support. I will persuade everyone in Israel to support your cause. Now, David had just destroyed Saul's army. And so he is the man right now. Everybody wants to be on his team. Unlike Tom Brady right now, who in the press is not getting a lot of positive feedback, David was the man. Everybody wanted to be on his team. Now, Abner was Saul, the the defeated king. Abner was Saul's right-hand guy. And once Saul was destroyed and killed, Abner decided that he wanted to go play on David's team. He wanted to go and deflect and be on the other side, the winning side. So he sends this message to David, the king, and says, Hey, hey, buddy, pal, I want to come be on your team. And so here's what he promises. I will persuade everyone in Israel to come support your cause. David says, fine, I'll make a covenant with you. But here is the one thing that's a non-negotiable. I don't want to see you unless you have Saul's daughter, Michael, with you when you come before me. And so at the same time, David sent Ishbosh, Saul's son, this message. Send me back my wife, your sister, Michael, I bought her with a bride price of 100 Philistine foreskins. So he sent for Michael and had her taken away from her husband, Palti, the son of Laish. Palti followed the party, weeping all the way to Benjamin. Finally, Abner ordered him to stop following them, and he returned home. So what just happened there? This famous, famous king, this famous religious leader, David, who's written all these psalms. This guy wants to come and play for his team, be on his team in the war. And David says, okay. And so this guy makes a promise. That truthfully, if we wanted to analyze the promise, he's probably not able to keep it. I'm going to, I will persuade everyone in Israel to be on your team. And so David says, okay, well, here's the one thing I want for you. I want for you to go and find Saul's daughter named Michael, and I want you to bring her to me. Now, there is a slight problem with this Michael situation. David had been married to Michael earlier, and Saul the king, the dead king, he had given her to David to be married. 
Because you see, back then in, in kingdoms, you had to be married or born into the bloodline so that you could be king. Well, Saul wanted David to be king. He knew he was somebody. He knew that he had gifts that could rise into being somebody. And, and he was a pretty good predictor of character, wouldn't you say? So he says, hey, this guy named David, he's really somebody I want on my team. So he chooses David. And the way to get David to be able to take the throne was to get one of his daughters to marry him. Now, how, Confirmands, would you feel if your parents got to pick out your spouse? And like if they did it this afternoon when you went to lunch following worship. No, you don't even look happy at me right now uh, for me giving you them that idea. But you see, that's what they did. Saul picked out Michael's husband for her. He didn't care if they loved each other or not. This was not about love. This was about politics. This was about who you knew and who you wanted on your team. So Saul said, David and Michael, you need to get married to each other. And they did. Well, then Saul did what happens when you have power. You ever heard the quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, that happened to this King Saul. And so he got, you know, really popular. He was this really great king, and he had lots of land and province. And then he got jealous of David because David was this really gifted young man, and everybody loved him. And he got jealous of him, so he did something. He said, go. Go away. I don't, I don't want you in my kingdom anymore and that's when the war started and he also took his daughter back away he took his daughter away from David because that would take away his route to being king and he told Michael hey go marry whoever you want to go marry whoever you want to marry for love don't worry about me and so Michael did. She went and she fell in love with Palti. And they got married and they were living happily ever after until something bad happened. The something bad that happened was uh, Saul was continuing to be jealous of David. The war got worse and then uh, Saul was defeated. So then David came to be the one in absolute power. And remember the quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It sort of happened to David too. This great follower of God, this great Israelite who worshipped God, he became corrupt. Perhaps he would have had a selfie stick. If he had had a selfie stick, he would have been taking lots of shots of him looking all regal and all powerful. And so in his power and in his newfound royalty... He decides that he's going to exercise his power a little. So when Abner starts to deflect from the losing side to come over to the winning side and, you know, tries to get David to let him on his team, David says, go get Michael for me. You want to be on my team? You go get her for me and she will come and she will be my wife. Well, when you're the king, you can do mean things like that. But think about what this, this great guy, this great king did. This great follower of God, worshiper of God, Yahweh. He went and stole somebody else's wife. He brought her to him. He broke up a marriage. 
Now, why am I telling you that story? Why did I read to you one of the most depressing passages in Scripture today? Because the passage ends with her husband weeping. Because the followers of David did exactly what he told them to do. He went and got her. And her husband followed them all the way to the palace. And when she had to go in the palace, he had to leave weeping. Why did I read that to you today? Because the point is, David, King David, the one who wrote some of the most beautiful passages in our scripture, he professed this love of God, but he messed up. He screwed up. And it would have been really easy for him after he messed up. And this is not the only time he messed up. He did it again. Uh, he had a thing for married women. Oh, he did. Y'all are laughing. It's uncomfortable, but he did. The point is, this morning, and every morning of your life after today, compromise in all of us, we can take this thing called scripture and we can make it do lots of things and we can make it mean lots of things, but really it has a, a comprehensive meaning from beginning to end. The meaning is this, and this is what you're professing your faith in. We are created in the image of God, Imago Dei. God is love. You have a capacity of love. So every time you see your selfie stick and every time you take a selfie, I want you to remember that you are love. And there's a responsibility that comes to professing your faith this morning. That responsibility is not very complicated. It's actually very simple. You just try to live in love. As United Methodist. We've done lots of different things with this process of confirmation over the years. We've made it be very rigid. We've made it be that, you know, you have to come 36 times, and if you miss one, you have to make it up with the preacher, and if you miss, you know, then blah, blah, blah. And if you don't, if you're not able to do A, B, and C, then you don't get confirmed. Some of the parents and I were talking and they, like, they were like, well, we've missed, you know, because of this or because of this or because of this. Are you sure it's okay that they're confirmed today? I said, of course, because here's the deal. We have had multiple conversations over and over again, so much so that they are probably tired of hearing it. Do you know that God is love? Yes. Do you know that you're created in the image of God? Yes. Do you want to walk in the way of love and not be bogged down with all the ick and the bad stuff of life? And they've said yes. Do you want to take that love that lives in each of you and share it with others? Yes. And that's all it takes to be a follower in the way of Christ. So I'm going to give you a test this morning, Confirmands, and everybody here to see if you can pass this test. I'm going to show you some pictures on the screen, and I want you to guess who they are. They would probably appreciate some help from you. Uh, so if you would, shout out the name of the people that you see up on the screen as you see them. Let's take a look at the first one. Anybody want to guess? 
y'all are doing good. You've at least got kings and, you know, like the right sort of time period. I'll help you with this one. It's a little tough. King James the first. Now, I want you to take a good look at this guy. He was actually one of the most despicable kings ever. He was. But you know what? There was one moment in his life that he made one decision, and it changed everything. You see, back during his time, and let, let me pause for just a second. Let me tell you how despicable he was. He was so power-hungry and so controlling and so paranoid that he had Sir Walter Raleigh killed. Because after the Spanish Inquisition, he grew paranoid that Sir Walter Raleigh would become more popular and more powerful than he was. So he had him killed. He was known throughout his reign as king to be so paranoid and that unhappiness would just eat at him inside that he turned to alcohol. And he is known that in the later time of his life that if he wasn't drunk, he couldn't go to sleep. And the only time that you ever saw him smile was if he was indeed intoxicated. But there was one moment of either weakness or sobriety, and he really wanted to make a difference, and scholars say they don't know which it was, weakness or oblivion or uh, just a desire to do something good. And one of the guys that was in, like, his court, one of the scholars, an Oxford scholar, came to him and said, this thing called the Bible, the Scripture, it needs to be translated to a version that the English people will understand. So this guy right here, he voted yes to have the Bible translated, and they came up with the King James Version of Scripture. Over two billion people have come to know the way of Christ because of the King James Version of Scripture, one of the most despicable kings ever. If you took a selfie with him, what would we see? Would we see lots of screw-ups, or would we see a moment that basically changed the world? Take a look at this, at this next picture. Do you know who that is? Anybody? You do know who that is. That's impressive. Uh, say it out loud, Edison. Well, I just said it out loud, sorry. <laughs> I heard you muttering it. Uh, very good. That is Thomas Edison. Do you know what? No, none of his teachers wanted him in their class. He was such a slow learner. What was Edison responsible for? Very good. Very good. All right, the next picture. Very good. Very good. Einstein. It is Einstein. Do you know what? He did not speak a single word, not mama, not dada, nothing until after he was three years old. Brilliant man. But when he was a baby and a toddler, everyone told his parents that he would never amount to anything. Next picture. 
John Lennon. Do y'all know who? I know I'm dating myself, but do you know who? what he did? He's famous for being in the Beatles. Very good. The Beatles, they're like this really famous, uh, if you're over the age of like, what, 20 maybe? Y'all know who the Beatles are, right? Okay. All right, good. He, his aunt, told him that he had no gift, no talent, and that his playing the guitar would be wasted time and energy. The next picture. Very good. Michelle Kwan, a decorated Olympian. She was told by her coach that she had no focus and that she would never amount to anything. She proved them wrong. And then the next one, the last one, Michael Phelps. A little controversial to show him this morning. Do you know why? He's been arrested twice now for driving while impaired by alcohol. He could have gone to prison the last time that he was, or he pled guilty. He could have gone to prison, but the judge gave him probation. But part of his probation was to go into treatment. And also, if he is caught with alcohol in his blood at all, the whole time that he is on probation, he will no longer be able to swim in the Olympics. He is the most decorated Olympian ever. He didn't just win one or two. He is the all-time most decorated Olympian ever. But guess what? He has a problem with alcohol. He says he has a problem with alcohol and that he drinks too much. And he is now in treatment. He has been in inpatient treatment. And he has joined AA. He's trying to turn his life around. So why do I show the Confermans a picture of a man who's been arrested twice for driving while impaired? Because he could have killed someone. Well, you see, we're a people of faith. And if you look in this thing called the Bible, from start to finish, there are people in here that have killed people. Moses, Saul, Saul who became Paul, King David, Lots of the famous people in this book, if they were living today, they would be in prison. I'm showing you Michael Phelps' picture because you see, there's this thing called redemption. And there's this thing called second chances. And that's a part of what you're doing today. You're saying that I believe in a God of second chances. And the things that I have that weigh me down, we call it sin, remember? Your sin is when you look in your selfie stick and you see yourself. Not all the other people. Do not let people convince you that you need to be about judging others. You worry about you and you worry about your walk and your path. And you keep one that leads to love. And let all the other stuff go. Michael Phelps has got a shot. Every day he wakes up, he's got a shot. And guess what? You do too. We do too. We're all created in the image of God to do something. Einstein has a powerful quote about the nature of evil in this world. And 
The thing that combats that evil is us. Every time we choose to take a stand for what we believe in, we can combat the nature of evil that exists in our world. And that's from a man who didn't speak till he was over three years old. So confirmands now, I'm going to ask that you stand and join with me in your vows. So stand where you are. And I'll ask that y'all turn up the lights so that you can see uh, these handsome and beautiful inside and out young men and women that are standing before you. Do you, confirmands, vow to try to not focus on the things that are going to weigh you down in your life? Will you look to the way of life that leads to love? If so, please say, I will. Will you walk in the way of Christ and recognize that you are created in the image of God, the image of love, and that you are called to share that love with others as you go throughout your journey? If so, please respond, I will. And will you share that love with other people by the way you live your life, by the example that you set, and by, by the way that you care for others who are around you from this day forward? If so, please say, I will. And now, I'm going to ask that you all stand. And I'm going to ask that we turn up all the house lights and confirmands. I want you to turn around and look at the folks that are out there. Because you see, they're not in this alone. We're never in this alone, actually. And so looking around and seeing the people that are in here, you're going to see the folks that walk alongside you in your faith journey. So now, people of West and friends and family of the Confirmands and those worshiping with us online, I have a question for you to promise to support them. Will you do all in your power and in your care to nurture them in their Christian faith and life and promote them in such a way that they will have all that they need to grow as young men and women in their faith. If so, please say with a loud, we will. will. All right, very good. You may be seated. Confirmands, if you'll prepare to come and take your vows. Except for the confirmands. Y'all don't get to sit down. The worship team's going to stay up here. You see, there's two more things I've got to ask you this morning. You just professed your faith. You acknowledged the vows that were said for you at your baptism. And Emma, we will be celebrating your baptism when the lake water gets just a tad bit warmer. And you all will be invited to participate in that and some other West folks that will be baptized. So you have now professed your faith in the way of Christ and you have been confirmed. You've confirmed those vows that were made, but this is the last part. And it's a good refresher course for all of us. We don't talk about, you know, membership vows here at West a lot because, you see, those are institutional things. But it's a part of a promise, a covenant relationship. And so now I'm going to ask you two membership vows to be a part of the church. Do you have a desire to be a part of a movement of people that desire to join together in ways that lead to love? If so, respond by saying, I do. And now, this is for everybody. Do you promise to support the United Methodist Church, West United Methodist Church, with five things? Will you pray? 
that we as a body of Christ can make a difference in this world. So by your prayers, by your presence, if you're in town and healthy and don't have 10 other things you have already committed to do on Sunday morning, like soccer and dance and all those things that are important parts of your life, and I don't ever want you to turn your back on those because they shape you into being who you are. But if it's just a rainy day and you've got nothing else, will you support the church by your presence in worship or your presence in a small group? So it's your prayers, your presence, by your gifts, when you make millions of dollars later on in your life. Those black boxes in the back, they're not just for show. Giving online, will you support the church by your, your financial gifts? Because it's not just about paying the light bill. It's about giving you Bibles. It's about giving you selfie sticks. It's about having a nursery, those kinds of things. Prayers, presents, gifts. Will you serve? Will you come help unload the gray carts sometimes? Or whatever church you're a part of, will you give your time and your energy so that we can be a part of the movement of Christ? And the last part of this vow is your witness. You don't have to go beat people over the head with a Bible to share love with them. One of the neat things about West United Methodist Church, and everybody gets one today when you leave, everybody gets a free ticket to go see Disney's Pixar Inside Out on Father's Day. That will be our worship service at the theater because, you see, it's a movie about how people think and how we could learn to think better and be nicer to one another. And so that will be our worship. That's a way of evangelism. That's a way of sharing with others, hey, there's something bigger than we are. It's called God. It's called love. So, do you promise to support the United Methodist Church and West United Methodist Church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please respond by saying, we do. And now, do you promise to continue to raise them in their vows and support them with all that they need moving forward? Please say, we will. Now, everybody gets to clap. It's a happy day. You have joined the church.